The first case for argument this morning is 22-1085, Janan Tech v. Google. Mr. Dalton, whenever you're ready. Did I mispronounce your client's name? Jenner. Jenner. Please proceed. May it please the Court. In this case, the PTAB stated that it was adopting our claim construction that we proposed. What it used was something vastly different. It provided no explanation as to why it didn't adopt our claim construction or apply it. It did not address the with or without a condition element in the ITP limitation as well. The silence of not knowing why or how they didn't apply that. Just on that point, did you also put in a parenthetical about directly or indirectly? We did on appeal, and that was for clarification. Okay, but that was not the claim construction that was adopted, what you're saying was adopted. Oh, correct. Yes, exactly. So what the PTAB did was require a direct linkage to keeping a connection active. They rejected the idea that it could be indirect by sending a retransmission packet that would elicit an acknowledgment packet that would return and then reset. But just to be clear, my point was that the construction that you say the board adopted and it was your construction did not include the words direct or indirect. They said they adopted our construction, but what the board did was very different. They said that they looked at the purpose of the packet. That wasn't our construction. And when we talk about purpose, this is an apparatus claim. In claim one, the node is receiving a message from another node with certain information that it then accesses, which is the idle time period, the ITP limitation. In your patent owner response, didn't you translate your proposed construction as being purpose-directed, like A4OA? Put differently, if any packet is sent or received by the apparatus for the purpose of keeping the connection active, then that's outside the scope of the claimed idle time period. So, I mean, it was your patent owner response that basically offered up a translation of whatever the construction was. I mean, to me, with or without condition, that language is pretty abstract. I'm not really sure what it's getting at if I just read it sitting there alone. But here, the put differently sentence in the patent owner response at A4OA really helps cement what you're talking about, makes it much more tangible. And the way you described it was it's about the purpose of the packet. What is that purpose of the packet? And, you know, when you send that retransmission packet, that idle time period clock still keeps running. It doesn't stop. So, you know, it's still on the path to timing out eventually. Yes, yes, that's correct in part. When you send the retransmission packet, what it's doing is trying to elicit the exact same response as the original data packet that was sent. It's just following up. It's doing the same thing, and it's a connection. And the connections go both ways. And so it is sending a retransmission packet, trying to make sure that the message gets there, and also to elicit an act 
coming back to confirm that. Otherwise, it's going to send another one. I'm confused. Uh, you said, Judge Chen asked you a question, and then you said it was correct in part. And yeah, I, I, yes. Was anything Judge Chen said incorrect? Well, the, the point I was going to make is that this is an apparatus claim. And it's, uh, this apparatus is... There, a, that's a yes or no. It, it was incorrect. Was, was anything Judge Chen said incorrect? I, I believe so, and I would, yes. Okay. Uh, the way I reported out what was in your patent owner response at A408, that was correct, right? Yes, and I just wanted to, I think that the Okay, and it's also correct that a retransmission packet, once it's sent out, that doesn't stop the idle time period clock from running. It doesn't stop it the afford timeout. Yeah, from an, an Egger, not, and we don't agree that that is an idle time period. And this is there's a fundamental difference. So in Egger, they're trying to have connections withstand long periods of disconnection. The ITP, it's periods of inactivity when no messages are being sent. So that the um, in Egger, it starts when you send a data a, a data segment. It won't start if, if there's nothing else sent. In the ITP. It can be it's, it's running and it's a period of inactivity that's looking at, it. and so it's it's fundamentally I mean not fundamentally but it's different and it's a it's a it's a major difference because the ITP would would it, it wouldn't be triggered when you have these data transmission packets being sent and in Eggert they have to be sent before that uh, abort timeout would happen and so you have a timeout a timer a timeout that requires data packages to be sent, which wouldn't happen under the ITP. And so it's what we're, we're doing is con conserving resources. So you're not tying up bandwidth. You're not sending packets un unnecessarily. You're not using keep-alives that have caused problems about, you know, triggering, accidentally triggering disconnections and messing up firewalls. We're trying to avoid all that and, and basically get the functionality of the, the, um, the keep-alive without having to actually send it. And that's by negotiating this idle time period up front where both sides will know, okay, instead of sending a probe out periodically to see if you're still there, we're just going to agree that this is the amount of time that we're going to stay connected. Doesn't Eggert do that too? Up front, they, they, the two nodes are doing some negotiated, customized timeout period? Yes, yes, but it's it's a different so timeout period. That's, that's the same thing as what you just said. This invention is about. No, the, the difference is that the timeout period that they are negotiating involves data packages being sent during that while that clock is ticking. That would not happen in the ITP. The ITP is inactivity. They are maintaining connection across this, when it's disconnected for a longer period of time. So, I mean, I would agree with your construction if it if the claim had said an idle time period during which no packet is communicated in the TCP variant connection period. But the claim keeps going, which is the to keep the TCP variant connection active, i.e. So then, in the words of your patent owner response, we've got to now figure out if a packet is being communi communicated during the idle time period, what is the purpose of that communicated data packet, right? Yes, and packets can have multiple purposes. So that it's not a singular focus of what a packet is doing. So a data transmission would start the clock, but it's eliciting an ACK. It's you know it, the retransmission is making sure this is you know a TCP variant. So TCP is a, it's a reliable 
connection. They're making sure that it's a reliable connection and data gets through. So the retransmission gets the data through, it keeps the, the connection functioning and working, and, and, and they're using it. And it elicits an ACK, and if that ACK comes back, then the, the ATO would start again. But that's, again, that's the user timeout. It's from TCP, and it's different than what we're doing. And, and I, I guess I would like to uh, direct you to JA, uh, it's uh, 1688. And this is the uh, the RFC uh, uh, 5482 that Eggert was a uh, co-author of. And I think that the, the distinction about retransmissions, this, this makes it makes it fairly clear uh, what's going on. And so it's at the top of uh, 1688, and it's discussing the uh, when there's an absence of an application-specified user timeout, the TC specification, 793, defines a default user timeout. And so Eggert's using this user timeout and having the two sides negotiate to extend it so that the connection will remain active for longer periods of time. And it, it says that um, RFC uh, 1122, which is the host requirement for inter internet connections, um, and it says that refines that definition. So talking about the user timeout by introducing two thresholds, R1 and R2. R2 is greater than R1, and that controls the number of retransmissions or attempts uh, of a signal segment. And R2 is a time value that will time out. So you have R1, which is the number of retransmissions that's occurring, and it has to be smaller than R2, which is the kind of the, the timeout, and these function together. So the, the, the timeout, the user timeout, as defined in this uh, requirements document, RC 1122. Where did you make that argument in your briefs? We, we made this argument by pointing to the, um, the, the this other portion Yes, so 1692. And this is, a, but this is a, the point, Your Honor. This argument about the. I'm sorry. Where did you make the reference to 15, 1688 in your briefs? I don't believe that was. But this is the point about addressing this new argument the board adopted about the retransmission timer potentially being greater than the uh, abort timeout option and not triggering it. So that go it goes to that. And that's the whole point of the prejudice where a new argument was adopted that we never had a chance to address. That's, provide an, evidence. that's an alternative finding, right? There's The board had multiple pathways to finding these claims unpatentable. That's you're, correct. You're talking about a different one than the primary one about just whether the Eggert references retransmission packets purpose is to uh, keep an Connection active and not active. Right. Yeah. And, and for with respect, going back to the purpose, the the functionality of a packet, you know, so it's 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 how these packets, you know, how the software is programmed and what it does. And again, it can do multiple things. And here, it elicits an act that would restart the aggregate timer. But it's it's more than that too. Uh, it's the transmission that's required to go on while the port timeout is operating. It's it's not inactivity as contemplated by our claims. Uh, you're in GRE rebuttal. Thank you. Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the court. The board properly applied Jenab's construction and made factual findings with respect to Eggert 
we believe substantial evidence more than supports the board's factual findings. Um, Judge Chen, you're absolutely right. If you look at uh, the board's uh, decision and what they did was they followed faithfully from our perspective their purpose-based construction. Uh, they specified it based on Appendix 408. Judge Chen, as you pointed out, they were very clear as to what they were arguing with respect to their construction. They said it's the purpose is to keep the TCP variant connection active. That's is it possible for a packet transmission to serve more than one purpose? Perhaps it can have dual purposes. It, it certainly can, Your Honor. Um, but in this instance, uh, with respect to the retransmission timer, uh, the retransmission is to retransmit the packet, as the board found in its uh, decision that the retransmission packet does not actually reset uh, the ATO, the abort timeout option time period. And that right. Narrowly speaking, the retransmission packet by itself does not reset the timeout period. But nevertheless, it's a, it's a critical piece, is it not, of ultimately keeping the connection alive. Um, so, Your Honor, I would disagree with that, and the reason for that is, um, and this goes to the alternative theories, as you mentioned, there were multiple theories here that we presented, is that... Uh, let's, let's assume for the moment the alternate theory was raised too late and was a surprise theory that shouldn't have been uh, addressed by the board. Sure, so let's just talk about the and, primary thing. And, and I, was what, I was actually going to stay on the primary uh, argument, Your Honor, and that goes to the disconnection. So if you actually look at uh, the way our arguments were presented, we also pointed to disconnection. So in, in the retransmission context, the retransmission packet will may never be sent or received, right? And that was, again, a factual finding the board made, and that's at Appendix uh, 19 through 22, where the board went through very carefully all of the arguments and, and rejected that, that even if that was the case, there's, there are scenarios where the retransmission packet might not be sent or received. Uh, so even under, so they, they just simply cannot prevail even under that theory. Right, but purpose is almost like intent. What is the intent of the transmission of the retransmission packet? And of course, the primary intent is to get that data that's in that packet over to the other node. But uh, there's already an, a, a connection that's been established that, and there's a race against the clock to avoid it timing out. And uh, it seems to be that the necessary piece of avoiding the timeout is to make sure you, you keep pumping out that retransmission packet until you get an acknowledgement signal on, on the other side. So, Your Honor, I would uh, respectfully disagree that the retransmission packet's purpose is to keep the connection alive? Well, um, it's a, perhaps a secondary purpose. I'm not saying it's the primary purpose. And that's the question of whether a packet could have dual purposes. Well, right. Let me substitute a word, or dually effects, if not dual purposes. Uh, sure. You know, and I think what we have to look at is, at the end of the day, what does the claim require here? Right? The claim is very clear that it's to keep the connection active. And if you look at the retransmission timer and the retransmission packet, its purpose is to retransmit the data, right? That's, that's what it is. And as the board found, again, looking at all the evidence, it made a factual finding that the retransmission timers does not serve the purpose that they said to the board multiple times what the purpose was for this claim. And we think, again, under this board's uh, case law, uh, under substantial evidence review, they simply cannot surpass that. Um, and, and with respect to the um, alternative theory, 
Judge Chen, we believe one of the issues that has happened throughout this proceeding is Genem's arguments kept on shifting. If you look at their patent owner response, they made one argument. They actually disclaimed those arguments in their rehearing request and focused exclusively on the retransmission timer. And the board gave them plenty of opportunity to argue about the retransmission timer. At the hearing, they were asked questions. We, of course, were asked the same questions, and we responded to the board's questions. The burden of proof in this proceeding was on you, right? Yes, Your Honor. And this alternative theory, there's no fair way of reading your petition as including this particular theory about the competing timeout periods. Is that also fair to say? I agree, Your Honor. I think if you look at our petition, in the opening petition, what we relied on was the disconnection theory and, of course, the ATO time period. And I think my point with respect to the extent you want to call it a theory or whatever words we want to use here, it's consistent with what we argued to the board. In fact, that disclosure is on the same page of Eggert as what we pointed out for the ATO. So from a, if you, again, depending on how you define theory, it did not change, right? Our point always was that retransmission packets might never exist because there's a disconnection. And what they did was, again, the arguments kept on shifting, and I think it's telling, even on appeal, as Judge Prosue pointed out, the directly or indirectly language was not in their patent owner response. So this has been a moving target for us and the board, and we think they had plenty of opportunity to address these arguments. But we don't need that judge sent to win here. We think this court can affirm based on the primary basis that the board found, which was that this is a purpose-based construction. The board adopted it. It faithfully applied it. It made factual findings based on expert testimony and the references, and that's more than enough to affirm. Unless Your Honors have any other questions, I'm happy to give the court its time back. Thank you. I just want to address a few points. Counsel, we haven't addressed your procedural arguments. For example, where in the record below did you complain about any lack of notice or a procedural violation to the board? Your Honor, one, the procedural violation became clear with respect to the new argument that was introduced at oral argument only when we received the denial of our request for rehearing. So it didn't really have an opportunity to address that. Is that your same answer regarding your APA objection? Well, that is when we got the decision. Again, we were hoping and we thought the board would respond to our claim construction arguments, but we got no explanation still. So we were just left in the dark about why the language with or without a condition or via any mechanism would not have a retransmission packet that elicits one step removed from doing it directly, elicits an act to keep a connection active, why that would not follow that construction. The board just didn't address that language. So any opinion which counsel finds confusing is an APA violation? I think there is a difference between just not addressing it whatsoever or addressing it and just not being clear to counsel. Isn't there an implication if something is not addressed that it was not worth addressing? I think that we're entitled to an explanation, and I think the court is as well so that it can understand what the board's reasoning. I wanted to make one point about purpose that we've talked about a lot. This apparatus is being claimed. It's 
it's not actually functioning the way it, when it's claimed. It's it's an apparatus, you know, with software that has this idle time period. <laughs> and so these packets, when you talk about this these this this time period, what it's saying is like what these packets are being sent, they're being sent, you know, to to do something, but it's more the technological kind of environment that this claim is in. And another point about that, this disconnect hypothetical, the claim, the way it's it's um, it's worded and set up, the ITP, it, it doesn't matter if there's disconnect or not. Disconnect's not required by the claim. So it has to function the same way when there's actually connectivity. And so in that case, if retransmission packets are considered to qualify as packets to keep the connection active, then their disconnect hypo is irrelevant because the claim, it wouldn't, it doesn't cover the situation where there is connectivity, which is required as the way it's claimed in the negative limitation. So with that, unless you have any other questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank both sides of the case.